Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Well, I don't know if any of you, after you got home this week, if you, I hope you've carried your rock with you that I gave you the other night that we tried to encourage you to do to remind you to, to speak up for the Lord and, and witness for Him or and tell people about Christ or invite them to church. And uh, I've carried it all week long and, and uh, it's been a reminder to me. And I just don't want, I don't want a rock crying out for me, amen? And so I just want to encourage you to, uh, to, to be a good witness and testimony wherever you're at. Take your Bibles, as I said, Matthew chapter 26. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Matthew chapter 26, and we find here we're coming down to the final hours uh, uh, when they're about to take Jesus Christ uh, and, and carry Him away and and to, to be judged and then to be crucified. We'll pick up in verse 36 here. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray, go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, <clears throat> what could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went, uh, went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Look with me back in verse 41, which will be our text tonight. It says, Watch and pray, that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, A Willing Spirit, But Weak Flesh. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, as we look at this, we realize this is just hours before the crucifixion. Just a short period of time. And even following this so closely after Jesus had prayed, they took Him and examined Him and beat Him and did all sorts of horrible things unto Him, that He might suffer in our place. Lord, help us to understand. And within these verses, Lord, there's something there for each of us. It's more than just a history. It's more than just reading about Jesus Christ's prayer. But it is a challenge to us and hopefully an awakening to our hearts and minds. Now, Lord, I pray that You'd speak to our hearts Give me wisdom, Holy Spirit. Give my tongue the words to say that which you once said. 
May you be glorified. All that will be said tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. I believe that we could all probably truly relate to, to this, that we have a desire to serve the Lord to the, our greatest ability, and that desire is there if you're saved, I believe. Yet we struggle with the flesh that maybe keeps us from doing what we think that we would really like to do or really taking that stand that we'd really like to. We struggle with the flesh in many areas. So Jesus takes the disciples and He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And as uh, He's there, this hour has come, uh, He's about to be betrayed by Judas and taken away and soon crucified. It's a very important time, a very uh, solemn time. There's a spiritual battle going on, really, to be honest with you, in the Garden of Gethsemane at this point. There's a battle that's taken place in which the Savior Jesus is engaged in, in one which, and the disciples are engaged in another type of spiritual battle that's going on here. Prior to coming to the garden to pray, all, these, all the, the disciples were with Jesus, and, and, and they, before they came into the garden, they all proclaimed that they would never forsake him, that they, that they would always be with him, even unto death. If you remember when Peter, he told Peter that he would deny him three times. Well, Peter had told him, he said, I'll not deny you. In verse 35 of Matthew 26, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. They're saying, we're, we're, listen, we're serious about following you. We're serious about uh, uh, being with you. We're serious about taking a stand with you. We're serious about living for you. We're serious even to the point of death. We'll, we'll die with you. And in just a little while, they all flee. They all run. Well, I think that part of that is because of what took place in the battle that they had in the garden while he was praying. First of all, let's consider the conflict that the Savior faced when he was in the garden. Look at verse 36 with me. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Look at what's taking place here. Here's the Son of God. Here's God Himself. Yes, in human flesh, but He's God. And said He's becoming sorrowful, He's becoming very heavy here. Then saith He unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Not just a little bit upset. Not just a little bit sorrowful but exceeding sorrowful. He goes on and he refers to it even in, a di in, a, in, a, in the depth of it. He says, even unto death. He said, it's, it's killing me. What I am about to face, he said, it is so heavy on me. It's so, it's so uh, weighty. And, 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 and as I look at it, he says, tarry ye here and watch with me. He went a little further. And fell on his face and praying and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus is feeling the weight at this point in the garden. What weight's he feeling, preacher? He's feeling the weight of every sin that had ever been committed 
every sin that would ever be committed. He's feeling the weight uh, of those uh, uh, of the sin of all mankind being placed upon him, knowing that in a little while, even though that he's God, he has feeling of the flesh because he's he's God incarnate. He's he's flesh. He has feelings just as you and I do. He feels all of it as he falls on his face and he begins to pray. He's about to enter into that time where he takes every sin upon himself and is separated from the Father for the very first time. For the very first time, he is about to be separated from the Heavenly Father. Now you stop and think about that. From the beginning, we think of the beginning. We have we have a we have a, a, a picture in our mind of beginning and ending. But with God, there is no beginning. He always was. And at this very moment, he's realizing that he's about to be separated from the heavenly Father. He's sinless. He's perfect. And he is about to take the sin of the whole world upon him. He's about to experience death of the flesh, spiritually, and even enter into the pits of hell. It's heavy. There's a battle going on. You say, well, preacher, I, I just don't see how you get that as a battle. Look what the Son of God is saying here. He says, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, if there is some other way that souls could be saved, that lives could be changed, let's do that. But he says, but not my will, but thine be done. He's thinking of the rejection, also the heartache, and the pains of death, as he's about to be rejected and act and, and turned from by his by the disciples. Matthew chapter twenty-seven, verses forty-six says, "In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, lamani sabbathani.' That is to say, My God, My God." Why hast thou forsaken me? See, preacher, I don't quite understand that. I don't know how to demonstrate it any other way as, other than the fact that because Jesus Christ has always been in the sight of the Heavenly Father, has always had that, that closeness, that, that there was inseparable. Stand up here, Blake. And, and, and even while on earth, stand a little closer. And even while on earth, walking in flesh of man, there was that closeness and communion between the Father and the Son. And here's what's about to happen. When the sin is placed upon the Son, the Father cannot look upon that sin and literally would turn his back 
upon the Son. He says, why hast thou forsaken me? And he did it for you and me. That that sin might be covered by the blood of his own son. It would be, he's my grandson. It would be a very hard thing no matter what happened for me to turn my back on my grandson, let alone my son. But think about the heavenly father. And the reason for which he's turning his back or, or, or forsaken him, let me put it that way. We, I, I use for, turn his back, but it says that he's forsaken him. What has happened is that communion has been broke between the Father and the Son for you and me. Thank you, Blake. He's carrying this load. There's the battle. Three times he goes and prays and the same thing being great in great agony of spirit. We find there in verse 38, and he saith unto him, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He's talking about how heavy it is. There's the battle there. And three times he, 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 he goes and prays and asks the Father if it be possible. Could we do this a different way? But he always comes back and wins the battle and says, not my will be done, but thine be done. We see the battle. It's a great spiritual battle being fought in that garden that night. Then we see the conflict in the disciples' lives also here. Many don't see or understand that the disciples were in their own battle in the garden that night. It, it's be honest with you, it's an age-old conflict that, that battle is that, that even battles us today. Look in verse 38. So then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death, but tarry uh, ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face, prayed, saying, Father, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And notice in verse 40, he says, And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. You say, preacher, that, you call that a battle? Oh, yeah. It's a major battle. Findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What could, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There is a battle going on between the spirit and the flesh here with the disciples. Satan doesn't want them to, to uh, watch and pray, he wants them to sleep. You go down to verse 43, it says, And he came and found them asleep again. Their eyes were very heavy. You go down to verse 45, Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now. Why? Because they were, they were asleep again. He says, Sleep on. Sleep on. They were sleeping in an hour. It was a conflict. It was a battle with the flesh. The flesh overriding the spiritual man. He said, Well, preacher, I don't see it. They were just wore out. They were just tired. Hey, listen to me a minute. Satan desires for every Christian to doze and to sleep through the garden battle. 
He desires for you and me. This is a, this is a, look at, look at what's going on in the garden here. Here's the son of God and he takes them and, and he says, some of the disciples say here, but he takes uh, 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 Peter and the, and the two sons of Zebedee and, and they go up here a little farther up here and they, and before he goes on any farther, he goes down and he's praying and his soul is, is heavy and he's, he's already in the battle and they're around him. They see the emotions. They see the heaviness of, of, of the, of the Savior. And he tells them, tear here while I go a little further. And he goes a little farther and begins to pray. They seen the battle that he was going through. He tells them, he said, watch with me and pray with me. This is the Son of God. They see the agony he's in. What if somebody come to you and say, oh, I, I need prayer and I need, I, I need you to pray with me and I, I need you to, I, I need you to, to watch with me and, I, and I, I'm going through a difficult time. Would you pray with me? Come here. And, and, and let's say that, that he, that, uh, that my grandson comes and he says, uh, Grandpa said, uh, Papa, would you pray with me? I'm going through a difficult time. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm hurting and I, exceedingly. And I said, sure, sure. I know it sounds funny and looks funny, but I would hope as his grandfather that my heart would be stirred, that my heart would be broken, and sleep would be the last thing that I would want. Because I see the agony he's going through, I see the difficulties going through. You say, well, preacher, what was happening there? I'll tell you what was happening. There was a spiritual battle with the disciples. And we'll get into it a little bit more here in a minute, but there was a spiritual battle going on. This was a very intense time. This was a, this is, this is the apex. This is the height. We're, we're moving into the height here. We're moving into the crucifixion. We're moving in where Satan is trying to kill the Son of God. This is not just, let's pray. This is, this is, this is a height of, of great things. Can I tell you something? That's where we're at today. The Lord's getting ready to come back. This is no game. We're not, we're not, we're not here to, to just play footsie and just have a good time in church and, and, and just to, uh, uh, walk around and, and just sing some songs and say, well, I went to church today. No, my soul. Hey, listen, we're in a spiritual battle. And Satan desires for every one of us to sleep and to doze. He don't want us stirred. He don't want us burdened. He don't want us to see what's going on in the conflict. There's a great conflict, a great battle being waged against the church today. As Satan tries to lull Christians into a sleeping stupor. This week I talked with a man 
about their church. And apparently all the people, including the preacher and especially the preacher, are dozing and sleeping. And it's as though the preacher only cares about this. He'll get up and preach one message a week. He'll do things, allow things that should never, ever be allowed. This man, as I was talking with him, he said, I got a friend. He said, goes to another church and told him about the church. Same thing. There was a thought of a few churches that I know of at one service a week. Dozing. Sleeping. He said, well, are they saved? Oh, yeah, they're, they're, there's Christians there. And some of those preachers are, they can preach a pretty good message. Or could I put this, that they could pre preach a pretty good sermon. You can get a sermon off the internet. But what we need is a message. If you're going to get a message, you've got to be awake. And if we're going to receive a message, we got to be awake. I'm talking about spiritually. And they were dozing and, and they was in this battle. Why? Because Satan does not want the church to be awake. He wants us to be dull of hearing. He wants us to be sleepy. He wants us to, to uh, 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 just float along and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, things are getting rough. Yeah, well, I guess we're getting close to the end of time. But instead of getting busy, instead of really having a burden, instead of really praying and really seeking God, we're just kind of, the churches are in, uh, today, uh, many of them are dozing and sleeping, just floating along. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And I'll be honest with you, I could go talk to those preachers probably, to the people. And I said, boy, don't you want to see some souls saved? Yeah. Yes, we do, boy. We're, we, we, we'd like to see some people. We, you want to see the church grow? Yeah, we'd like to see the church grow. And yeah, we'd like. And when, the spirit's willing. But the flesh is weak. 41, he says, verse 41 says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, the flesh is taking over in our greatest hour of need. We're coming down to the close here, folks. We're coming down to the, to the return in the air of Jesus Christ to catch the church out. We're coming down to the, to the we're not the last days, we're talking about the last hours. And our flesh is taking over. The disciples were to be watching 
and praying in those last hours with Jesus. And we're also to be watching and praying in these last days, last hours. Notice the outcome or the results of not watching, not being alert, not being aware, and not praying. Not walking with the Lord here continually. Look at verse 41 again. He says, watch and pray. And then he says, that ye enter not into temptation. That ye enter not into temptation. So what he's saying, if you don't watch, if you don't pray, he said, you're going to enter into temptation. We know what took place in just a, 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 just a, a matter of minutes after uh, the, the prayer meeting was over when Jesus was done praying. We know what took place. The temptation come. The temptation was to run. And that's exactly what they did. He said, watch and pray that you're not in temptation. The spiritual man desires to walk after the Spirit. But the flesh hungers after the things of this world. Satan will always oblige the flesh with giving temptation when we begin to snooze spiritually. When our spiritual man begins to sit down and rest and sleep, Satan will come along with the temptations. They'll be there. When we begin to float, when we begin to, to, to forget that we're in the battle, when we, when we get to the place where we're not on the firing line, when we're not in the battle. Even the Apostle Paul speaks of the battle that's with his flesh here in Romans chapter 7. Begin in verse 14, says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. And what he's saying is, he said, listen, he said, within me, within my, he said, I still have this flesh. And he said, if I don't, if I don't stay on top of it, otherwise, as Jesus said, if you don't watch and pray, he said, the flesh will take over and do that which you, which the spirit doesn't want you to do. And that which the spirit wants you to do, the flesh won't do it. It's kind of like the Indian that had the, uh, the two, the two dogs and the fellow said something about, about them. One of them was, one of them was uh, bigger than the other. He said, uh, he said, how do you get a dog to be in control? He said, it's whichever one you feed. It's whichever one you feed will be in control. Folks, today, if we sleep, we feed the flesh. We've got to get back and realize that we are in a spiritual battle. and We've got to get back to watch and pray. There's the battle that's a struggle against the flesh. Jesus admonished them and us to stay awake spiritually. Look at verse 40. 
He said unto the disciples, and findeth, he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, Now notice what he says. What? Could you not watch with me? Get a hold of that. A lot of times we just think about, could you not watch one hour? He didn't say that. He said, could you not watch with me one hour? See, here's what a lot of us think. We've got to watch by ourselves. We've got to live for the Lord by ourselves. We've got to be faithful by ourselves. We've got to serve God by ourselves. We've got to be strong by ourselves. He said, could not you watch with me one hour? One hour. What we don't realize is, hey, listen. The Lord's there and He wants us to watch with Him and to pray with Him. He desires for us to watch and pray and be with Him, but it's with Him. Not by ourselves. Verse 41 says, Watch and pray that you're not in temptation. Hey, Peter, you said you wouldn't deny me, but you're falling asleep in a time when you need to be awake. Oh, I fear and I do not ever want, I don't want to get there and I hope that I'm not there. I pray that I'm not. I don't want to get there that I would fall asleep thinking that I'm serving God. And Peter, thinking that he was doing God a service by saying, I'll never leave you. I'll not deny you. But then he fell asleep. In the greatest hour of need. Folks, we're in one of the greatest hour of needs in our lives right now. And we need to be watching and praying. It's not time to fall asleep. Christian, we need to be awake in our day and time as the return of the Lord in the air for the church is nearing. Romans 13, 11 says, And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. He says, It's time to wake up, it's time to get busy. Well, as I was studying this, I've seen four things in here that I want to point out tonight real quickly. Four things that will keep us awake and not overtake, be overtaken by the flesh in these last days. First of all, look with me at verse 37. The very first thing I found here was a broken heart. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful. Jesus was awake. Why? Because he had a broken heart. I think if Peter and the two sons of Zebedee would have had a broken heart, they would have stayed awake. I think what is needed today, you see, we see a sorrowful or a broken heart here as, as we see the, the destruction of Satan uh, all around us. And he's, he, he realizes that, that what's taken place and he's sorrowful. He has a broken heart for the souls of men. 
We need a sorrowful heart. We look around us and we see that Satan is destroying. He's destroying not only the lost, but many professed Christians who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Today. I heard two girls talk and something was brought up about Easter. I think it was about the Easter break. One girl says, I don't like Easter. And I happen to know that that girl goes to church. I think she's just putting on. And this other girl says, oh, I like Easter. And I said, I do too. I like Easter. I said, because that's when we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I asked the girl, I said, I thought, she probably goes to church somewhere. She likes Easter. I said, uh, where you go to church? She said, nowhere. So you don't go to church anywhere? She says, no, I, I've never been to church. She's either in third or fourth grade. I said, really? She said, no. I've never been to church. I said, you know about Jesus Christ and Easter? She said, no. She said, all I know is Christmas we celebrate Jesus. That's when he was supposed to, that's his birthday. She said, that's all I know about him. And something inside of me just went, I thought, how many more in a town of 13,000 could probably say, I've never been to church. I don't know who Jesus is. I'm telling you folks, we're living in a day we better get a broken heart. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We have lost our tears for the lost. We've lost our tears for the lost. We've become hard-hearted instead of broken-hearted. And oh, how there needs to be that broken heart. Jesus was brokenhearted. But secondly, I, I, besides being brokenhearted, I believe that he had a very heavy burden. Look at verse 37. It says, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. To feel very heavy is to have a burden. Jesus was burdened for the souls of men that they might be saved. That's why he was going to the cross. That's why he was going to the cross. He had a burden, a burdened heart. And I have not been able, since I said that today, and listened to what she had to say, I have not been able to get it off my mind. And immediately things begin to roll through my mind of what can we do? How can we get 
more out there to reach these kids and some of these kids, to get them in church, to get them of the gospel. Oh yeah, we run buses and we do this, we do that, but what can... Jesus had a burden. He had a heavy heart. I believe he was burdened also for the, the disciples that they would that they wouldn't fall away and that they would remain faithful in the days ahead. I believe there ought to be a burden in our hearts for Christians who, who are facing all that's going on today that might be drifting. Maybe they're not getting what they need or, or maybe they're out of church or maybe they're going through a difficult time and there ought to be a burden. I believe that if we have a a broken heart and a burdened soul. It'll help keep us awake. I, I just believe that, that, there, that there needs to, to be that in our lives. The psalmist, as I said there, says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. But we've got to sow. So many Christians have become hardened in their heart in our day and we need to get our burden and our broken heart back for the Lord and the loss that it might keep us awake, that it might stir us. When's the last time that maybe it's you've woke up in the middle of the night with somebody on your mind that's lost or maybe away from God? And you just lay there and pray for them. It ought to wake us up once in a while. Thirdly, we need to go a little further. Look at verse 39. It says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. If Peter in all of his boldness would have said, I want to go further with you in the presence and in his passion, I believe Peter would have stayed awake and moved if he'd have went a little further. It's like this. Remember, Blake. He, he was kneeled down there like you're praying. As they're praying, he says, You tarry here, I'm going a little further. And the Bible talks about how that he become heavy and that he becomes sorrowful. I don't know about you, but boy, I'll tell you what, there's been those times when I've become heavy and sorrowful in my prayer, and I didn't just sit there. I mean, there was a moving. Lord, I need you. I need you to do this. I need this in my life. And, and Lord, would you take care of this? Lord, there's this great need and calling aloud upon the Lord. If Peter, who was asleep, falling asleep, was tired over there, would have went a little further and knelt down with the Savior I think that he would have stayed awake. I think his heart would have been moved. I think that there would have been a brokenness in his heart as he's seen and heard the, the, the Savior praying. And, and in fact, if you go to the other Gospels, you find that as he prayed, it was as great uh, drops of blood, as sweat, blood dripping from him because of the agony that he was going through as he was praying there. I think Peter would have been moved and would have stayed awake. I, I, it's like this. If you come with me and, and we're sitting... 
Do you think you could sleep if you heard this? Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, would you do something? Would you move in the heart of this man? Would you take them? You think you could sleep? I didn't think so. And I think with a passion in prayer that it becomes catchy, begins to stir somebody else's heart. But here's what's happening today. We're not taking that extra step and going a little further. We're staying back over here at a distance many times. And so we need to go a little further. We need to go a little further in our walk with the Lord. We need to go a little further in our prayer with God. We need to go a little further in our worship of the Lord. We need to go a little further in our witnessing for the Lord. And I could keep on going, but we need, I think you get the idea, we need to go a little further. I think that every one of us, again, was Peter backslidden? Was he wicked? What? No. He was in his own battle over here. He was battling his flesh. We're talking about some things that would have kept him awake and helped him in the battle if he'd have got up here just as close as he could to the Savior. I think it would have helped keep him awake. I think the, the burden and, the, and all would have been transferred and could have overcome the flesh maybe. I'm not condemning him. I'm, hey, I got to look at me and say, I need to go a little further. He went a little further. And lastly, Look at 41. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's talking about watching there. I think he's talking about being aware of your spiritual condition. What's going on? That maybe you're getting sleepy. Maybe you need to go a little further. Being aware of our spiritual condition and seeking the Lord continually, we need to be honest with ourselves where we're at spiritually. Keeping a short account, as I've said many times before, on sin. Not letting it stack up, not letting it pile up. But confessing it, making it right with God. When it happens, being aware of when we're not walking as close as we was, being aware that maybe when we're getting just a little bit sleepy, it's like this <laughs> lady one time, she, she's falling asleep in church. The elderly lady, and he, back years ago, one day he caught her, the preacher caught her at the back door. He said, I'll just say, Betty Lou, Betty Lou, I see you're having trouble staying awake. She said, yeah, preacher, I'm sorry. He said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you take you a little bit of snuff. You put her down in there. He said, that'll keep you awake. She said, oh, no, preacher. She said, won't you put a little snuff in your preaching? That'll keep me awake. 
Sometimes we need a little more snuff in our preaching. Sometimes we just need a little more snuff in our listening. Sometimes we just need a little more snuff in our doing. Sometimes we just need to kind of kick it up a gear. Watch. Do what the Lord would have us to do. Be also aware of the times and what, what's going on around us in this day and time and looking and preparing and praying for the, the soon return of our Lord. Realize what's taking place. When you, when you see what's taking place, it, it burdens your heart. It, it, it gets a hold of you and it will move you to action. When you see something and you realize what, what could be taking place, I think I've told it before, but years ago when I was living down southeast Missouri and I was in electronics business and I was taking a brand new TV. We lived in Piedmont, had a business there, taking some equipment down to Popper Bluff to deliver down there at a place. And I went, I left real early of a morning so that I could get down there and get back. It was about a, uh, at that time, it was probably about a 45 minute drive. And I wanted to get down there, get back because I had a lot of work going on. So I got down there, uh, uh, I'd left early enough, I got down there somewhere around, because I, I couldn't get too early because I'd still be in bed, but I got, got down there uh, right around a little before 8 o'clock. And I was driving down through this real nice subdivision, going to this house, and it was one of those mornings where there was some dew and stuff on and maybe a little bit of frost. I don't really remember whether there was any frost, but it was, it was in the early spring, and for some reason, I looked at this house and something didn't seem quite right. I seen this steam, it looked like coming off this roof. And I thought, that's just the sun, because the sun had, was up and it was just, you know, you get that, that, that evaporation and you see the, the steam and stuff. But something wasn't right. I went down and turned around and come back. Pulled in the driveway, and then I seen it. Flames were shooting up the side on the carport, up the side of the house. The house was on fire. The very first thing I did was, well, I got a delivery to make. I'll see you all later. No. I got out, and I went, and I banged. I rung the doorbell. I banged on the door. I banged on the door. banged on the door. No answer or anything. And I, and, and I run across, start across the, 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 the street there, and there's a lady come out to, to get a paper or something out there. And I hollered. And I said, hey, ma'am, do you know if anybody's at home in this house? I said, it's on fire. And she said, no, they're gone to school. And, and, and the, uh, the man that lived there, him, his wife was gone to work and he worked at the newspaper office down there. And she said, they're all gone. I said, call the fire department. It's on fire. So she called the fire department. I went back and continued to bang on the door just in case. Fire department showed up. I left in their hands, I left. You know what? Sometimes we see things and we don't stop and think it's on fire. We got to wake up. We got to look. We got to do something. We're living in a day and time, folks. It's on fire. It's on fire. 
Well, preacher, I just don't want to wake anybody up. You know, they might they might get mad if they's in there asleep. I don't want you know how grouchy people get when they get woke up and you know and not getting their beauty rest. I think they would probably be glad that you woke them up. But there ought to be that stirring in our hearts, looking, preparing for the return of the Lord. First Thessalonians five. Again, verse 1 says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For he selves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a, a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But notice what he says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. He said, You shouldn't be asleep. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. In verse 6, he says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Taking serious what's going on. Watch and pray. We need a broken heart. We need to get a burden. We need to go a little further. And we need to watch and pray. And it will keep us awake. And he said, if we will watch and pray, it's that we will not enter into temptation of the flesh. We need to be awake. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, maybe tonight we need to just find a place here to pray and, and seek a burden. Maybe a sorrowful, heavy heart for what's taking place in our day. Maybe we just need to say, Lord, I want to go a little further. Take that step tonight. Maybe we just need to get back to that watching and praying that awareness that the day is short, the hour is at hand. It's a very heavy time. It's coming to the close. And there's a spiritual battle. Help us, Lord, that we don't doze and sleep and fall into the temptations that Satan has set for us. Help us to reach the lost. Help us, Lord, to restore the, the fallen Christian. To encourage one another, to build one another up, to keep one another awake. Lord, may you be glorified. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?